0: You know, I just thought, well, for me to gain success, for then, that'd be the time. Do you think, yeah, let me reach out? doesn't sit well with me.
1: Hello and welcome back to Daddy Issues podcast with me and Harrod George Carey. Daddy Issues is a podcast exploring fatherlessness, but more specifically, fatherlessness in successful people. I want to prove that regardless of whatever daddy issues you think you have, you can achieve anything you put your mind to. Fatherlessness affects so very many of us, so it's time to start listening to each other's stories and opening up this conversation as one that needs to be recognized, heard and confronted. If you like what you hear, please do feel free to rate, review and subscribe because I love hearing all your feedback. But more importantly, it gets to more ears and the more ears, the merrier. So thank you so much. I'm going to let you get on with the episode now and I hope you have a wonderful listen. In today's episode, I am speaking to Marvin Sordell, Marvin is a producer, writer, public speaker, entrepreneur and former professional football player having played in the Premier League as well as representing England at under 20 and under 21 level and Team GB at London 2012 Olympic Games. Since retiring in July 2019, Marvin's focus has turned towards a video production company he's co-founded in early 2019 180 Productions and his consistent and dedicated quest of spreading awareness for mental health. He is often involved in TV and radio interviews and panel discussions around the increasing importance of well being, with a particular focus on sport, and is an ambassador for mental health charity Calm, campaign against living miserably. Marvin retired from his football career at the age of 28. This we discuss a little bit in the episode, but I just wanted to read the tweet that he wrote once deciding that he was going to retire. The six-year-old me would never even have dreamed of what the 28-year-old me has achieved in this game. I managed to experience some of the greatest highs on offer, playing for England, for Team GB in the Olympics and in the biggest league in the world, the Premier League. In over 300 matches for the nine clubs and three national teams I played for, I scored goals that I dreamed about as a young boy in the park. I'll be honest though, the ugly side of the game that many of us are exposed to has had a hugely detrimental effect on my mental health. I witnessed and was on the receiving end of racism on several occasions and have seen an incredible amount of bullying, manipulation and verbal abuse to an extent which for many leaves a dirt stain on this industry. The combination of these aspects allows me to move on from being a professional football player, knowing that I will be a happier man and also be able to love the game again in a way that I haven't for many years you're about to hear an episode from a man that I so admire and I think everyone listening to this episode will get inspired by just a slither of this man's bravery and compassion. Have a wonderful listen.
0: I'm a real energy person as well. It's like I like being around people because I don't know know what it is about being at home just Mm. having a meeting over Zoom where you, you don't really like get someone even if it's something really exciting when you're in a room with someone you're bouncing ideas and and there's just you can just feel energy and it just helps yeah 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 and like you feel more energized when you leave as opposed to like over zoom you just feel you just, I just always feel more tired
1: Zapped. and just i i get a bit anxious do you need also to have time on your own because i i've so supposedly an extrovert a true pure extrovert is someone who gets their energy from other people like how you're describing and i've always been absolutely not an extrovert yeah nor me okay because people have always said to me oh you're an extrovert you're an extrovert you're an extrovert and i think it's because my personality comes across very like in your face and probably a bit much for some people but i i've realized in my later years that i am someone if if i spend too much time with people i actually end up like Almost feeling quite sad. Mm. I need to have the alone time. Are you like that as well? I'm
0: very much like that. I yeah. I get times where I just need to be away from everybody and just be like, I'm I'm I, I'm a very very much an introvert. I have mm. some extrovert traits. I think that's probably developed in my personality over time, as opposed to me actually being an extrovert. I'm very much like just this is me. Yeah, Like, I'm quite closed off in general. I enjoy spending time with myself mm. um, and just switching off. And, and I, I, I'm i one of those people that just have a constant inner monologue. So never, I never feel alone, which is so weird. It's so weird to say, but that's j- just how it is.
1: And is your inner monologue kind to you?
0: Uh, sometimes. Yeah. It's, yeah.
1: I feel you. <laughs> but we're going to get into this, because yeah. firstly, Marvin... Welcome to Daddy Issues, and thank you for coming on to the podcast. Have you done quite a few podcasts?
0: I've done a lot of podcasts. Have you? I've been asked, I I think I get asked to do podcasts every day. Do you? I think so. Oh my God. I don't check all of my messages, to be fair. But (laughs) if I did, I'd (laughs) probably see a podcast request every single day.
1: That's amazing.
0: Uh, High it's. it's, (laughs) I think the thing that kind of gets me is that I'm, I'm often talking about the exact same things nobody asked me anything different you know when the opportunity to do this came along I was like actually yeah I want to this is really interesting to me mm-hmm. you know it's an interesting subject in general but to me this is an opportunity to talk about something different which I don't get the chance to do very often.
1: Mm-hmm. And other things that people always want to talk about I'm guessing are football, yep. mental health yep. and is there some another one that I'm missing?
0: Just my career path my Career story, mental health. Everybody knows my story inside out. Mm -hmm. Nobody... But no one knows this story. Nobody knows this story. Mm -hmm. Funny enough, it was... I think it was... Was it last year? I think it was last year, yeah. I had an interview for Sky Sports. It was for World Mental Health Day. And I sat down with the interviewers. Obviously, thinking Sky Sports is going to be pretty much same old, same old. Around mental health, around my career, etc. Maybe with a specific angle. And I sat down, and the first question he asked me was, "What was it like for you growing up at, like at home uh, i i didn't even know how to answer because I was just so thrown because obviously i'd never been I'd never been asked that in my bearing of mind i'm in I'm interviewed a lot I was interviewed a lot playing football, and not once had anybody ever asked me that and I just didn't i <laughs> didn't even know what to say first
1: do you know what to say funny? that's always my first question. <laughs> <laughs> so this is gonna be your second time yeah so Marvin tell me what was it like growing up what was your family dynamic and where did you grow up
0: I grew up in Harrow um, family dynamic I only ever remember I mean obviously we're talking about dads mm-hmm. and I only ever really remember my dad not being there I think I have three maybe four memories of him and I'm not seen him since I was six I don't know where he is what he's doing I'd, I'd probably have brothers and sisters somewhere. M- maybe, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so my family dynamic was always myself, my mum, my sister. My sister's five years older than me. And my mum just worked a lot. We didn't really have two pennies to rub together, basically. And, and we were in council houses and we moved around quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was all I knew. And I didn't really think anything of it i just i was always with the football that was just you know that was it it was what i loved but it was also my escape as well so i'd always come home from school and straight away would be wanting to play football that's all i did is is every single day was just play football a lot a lot of time by myself so even you know when we talked about the introvert kind of aspect to my personality that is It's something that I've I've always had. So since I was, you know, five, six, seven years old, in front of the house, you know, kicking the ball against the wall Mm -hmm. on my own for hours on end, and not really even thinking anything of it.
1: Yeah. How was football introduced into your life?
0: It was um, my. I think it was like a soccer school. Something came to my school,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and I was interested in playing, and I I went along. I really enjoyed it um
1: and how old were you at this point
0: uh i don't know maybe i was like five okay yeah and well five or six i don't remember it was around it was around like, a lot i think happening around the same time around that period of time when my dad did leave mm-hmm. i cannot differentiate a t- i cannot create a timeline for anybody for you know from probably like five till about 11. Mm-hmm. Which what is, do you mean by that I couldn't tell you what, I, I have few memories of before the age of 11. Really? I have like scattered memories mm-hmm. and they're very specific ones. But on the whole, I don't remember a lot of my life before the age of 11.
1: What happened aged 11 that you think gave you that like presence? I have
0: no idea. Maybe it was going to high school. Maybe it was being more settled um, at home. So we, we moved to a place called Pinnah. Um, which is in Harrow and we moved there in 2001 so I was 10 mm-hmm. and we were there I mean that was that was where we lived until I moved out and I moved out at 19 mm-hmm. and you know for the whole of my life before that we'd moved we moved around a lot mm-hmm. we weren't very settled we'd had a lot of different Council homes and... and
1: Is that because you had to move because of the council sort of situation of being like, right, you've got to relocate? Yeah. Can you tell me about one of the memories that you do remember?
0: Uh, Most of them are with football. Really? Most of them are playing football. I have memories of, of some houses that we lived in. I remember Christmas Day that it was warm. And we were living in Edgeware, so this is this is what I mean. Like, like the memories I have are incredibly vivid. Mm. So we were living in Edgeware, and it was warm. I went outside expecting it to snow, wasn't snowing obviously. I <laughs> hadn't. We went for a walk, and we were living on the main road in the, in Edgeware. And I remember seeing my friend who who lived like a couple of roads on, and saying hi to him.
1: And that's like just there, you can see it. I
0: can I can picture it as, as clear as anything.
1: Why do you think that's stuck in your mind?
0: I have no idea. I don't remember what age that was, but...
1: And when your dad left, mm-hmm. which is really interesting how that's when you maybe start having a slightly blurrier...
0: Well, even before that, to be fair, I don't, I don't that. have that many memories.
1: Mm. But why did your dad leave?
0: I don't know. Mm. To be honest, I... I think that's one of the things that I have kind of carried with me throughout life is is a question and at times I, I want to know an answer other times I'm I you know tell myself not every question in life has to have an answer which I'm very accepting of mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't I don't seek closure which is strange because I feel like I need closure but I don't seek it. Which, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, but like so I don't, I don't. So actively... Your body is
1: telling you one thing, maybe, and then your brain's telling you something. Yeah, else. that's
0: what it feels like. I don't, in in any shape or form, I don't feel like I even want closure. I think maybe that's, you know, maybe that's even <laughs> even worse. The fact that I don't want it, but part of me feels like there's something I need to know. Mm-hmm. There's something I need to know to kind of fill the gaps. Maybe it's not even from his perspective that I need that closure from. Maybe it's from somebody else who can help me, I guess, draw out those experiences that I had that I can't remember through most of my life, which mm-hmm. I actually thought was normal. <laughs> I thought like, you know, I, I remember speaking to my wife about the fact that like she was telling me something about her fourth birthday and I was like, That's, like you must be like Rain Man, because like, <laughs> who remembers their fourth birthday? And I remember speaking to yeah. A couple of friends, and they were, like, were saying different things. I was like, what? This is so weird. And like, How does anybody remember that? Yeah. Um, my fifth birthday, sixth birthday, seventh, eighth. And I was like, I remember like two birthdays. And I remember the youngest birthday I remember. I, we went to Wacky Warehouse. I don't know if you remember that.
1: No. <laughs> I, was, I, lived in, um, I lived in Hong Kong. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I missed out on the stuff going on here. <laughs> so it's like, it's basically like... We had the Teletubbies, though. Like, softly.
0: It was like the first... So it was like a it was like a part, it's like think It was like Chuck E. Cheese. Think like yeah. But like think like weatherspoons mm. with softly. Right, right. That's yes. pretty much what Wacky <laughs> Warehouse was. It was a bit weird <laughs> when you think about it like that. <laughs> but um that's the, the first birthday that I can like like vividly remember. I remember I was wearing I think I was wearing an orange and green jumper and my sister was like taking the piss out of me basically because I'd ch- chosen to wear that jumper. So I was like <laughs> i think i was like 10 maybe
1: so your dad was gone by then yeah did you ever ask your mum about that no actually and have you to this day about about why your dad left and about him
0: no not really no i mean i've not i didn't i've never asked like why um i mean i came across something recently i don't know if i'm able to share this but i'm going to I saw him um, looking through paperwork, mm-hmm. like really, really old paperwork. I found a restraining order from, uh, like I must have been two, and so I there's obviously there's a whole other story that I don't know there. Right. Um.
1: Against your father with your mother.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and my name was on there as well. Right. Which you know when I did see it, it kind of threw me a bit. Yeah. Cause I just thought, well, what does this mean? I've, obviously, yeah. I've, I've heard about restraining orders, but I don't know. I've never known anybody that has needed to have one, have one, or has had one. So I don't know what it, what mm. to what extent something or a situation is occurring that this needs to be the case. So yeah, that kind of threw me a bit. This was like early this year or then of last year that I, that I found that. Mm-hmm. But I I've, I've not had that conversation. Right. I don't know if I don't even know if I want to, mm-hmm. because, you know, I think my pain is one one thing, and you know, my my mum's is another. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I've got kids now, so it's it's, pff, I, I could not even imagine.
1: Yeah, having to tell them about something painful for you and them. Yeah. Yeah. And there are so many things I want to ask. So. Um before we move on from mm-hmm. like your dad being around, I know you have like sparse memories there and I actually can relate to that on many mm. levels. Do you have any memories of when your dad was around and um, what were those like? And mm. what was he like as a father when he was around?
0: I don't know what he was like, to be honest. Um, like, at all. I have... Uh three memories i think Mm -hmm. three very they're very specific memories three memories of him um one was him taking me to highbury which is an old arsenal stadium for a when i went when that soccer school that i I mentioned that that i went to in primary school i won an award to go a a trip to highbury to go to the soccer school there oh wow From, from
1: your like skills yeah gosh started young. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, I, I went, I remember him taking me there and again, very vivid. Very vivid. I remember having a tuna sweet corn sandwich. My favourite. Yeah. yeah, to this day, it's one of my favourites. <laughs> um, the second memory was actually the same day. I think it was on the way back. I, I needed to go to the toilet and I couldn't hold it and he didn't want to stop. So I ended up Wearing myself in the car And he was very angry Wow And The third memory Which I think is More than one Occasion Was him Hitting me with the belt Right Those are my three memories
1: Yeah So that might Explain The restraining order On some level
0: Potentially Mm. But that was when I was That was when I was old enough to properly remember was so that when you were six the it wouldn't it wouldn't have been much before that i don't think
1: yeah and when you started growing up and football became much more of your life and you were clearly very good at it i mean the first first time you played it you yeah. got an award so natural um Did your dad's absence ever, was it something that you thought about a lot or was it just because there can be two, yeah, yeah, it It came up a
0: lot because I mean, especially around that time playing football, I was around seven when I started playing for a team. So this is another another story. The first team that I went to, so my my best friend from primary school was playing for a Sunday league team and I said to my mum, I want to play football. I want to play for, you know, my friend David's team and... She was like, you know, fine, you know, I'll take you down, whatever. And I went and trained. I actually did really well. And. Age seven? Age seven, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the manager came afterwards and spoke to my mum. And I was like standing there and he's he's gone, yeah, we're not going to sign your son, he's shit. And obviously I was like in in tears.
1: (laughs) The manager said that. The manager said that, yeah. About a seven year old boy in front of him and his mother. Yeah. That is obscene that is mad
0: yeah <laughs> and um
1: did that drive you did you think it did it yeah. did yeah it definitely did and what did how do you think that manifested
0: um i had a, i had a real lack of confidence for a very long time mhm um probably until a couple of years ago even yeah. really had a, a massive lack of self confidence and that in affected football. my football in just in football and life in general Mm -hmm. and that affected me a lot until Mm -hmm. a few years ago really Mm um but yeah Sunday league it that relationship the lack of having a a father was very like you know I stuck I stood out like a sore thumb because that's like the typical thing isn't it especially in England everyone's dad takes them to to the football on a Sunday and then like everyone has a, like family goes to like the pub or whatever, mm-hmm. has lunch and, and stuff like that. For a start, I was the only black player on my team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so already, already I'm standing out like <laughs> yeah. a sore thumb. And then next I'm the only player there that that um, is being brought by their mum and not their dad. Mm-hmm. And obviously people like kids, kids are very questionable and, and you know, just one of the things and you know, I can't even remember what I said at that time because they would have said, oh, where's your dad? Um, I can't remember what I said. Yeah. But even now, I wouldn't know how to answer that question. Like, looking back, I wouldn't have known. But, like, obviously now it's different. But yeah. at that time, I have no idea how I would have answered that question.
1: Do you think not having your dad around and having that constantly, like, brought up as a thing because you were in this very father and son, uh-huh. male-dominated sport, obviously, do you think that affected your confidence?
0: Yeah, it would have done. Mm. I think more, even more so as well because... People would look at my mum, and then, like regardless of what I'm doing, they would they would treat her and talk to her differently yeah. than they would to someone else and someone else's dad.
1: How did they treat her? And So like,
0: I think that, that probably, that was as I got older, and I was kind of moving into the professional environment, like, you know, kind of that crossover period of time, mm-hmm. where if I'm not playing or something, and you want to have that conversation you know someone's dad might go in and have that conversation and it's normal someone's you know for for some reason it's very normal for someone's dad to be like almost act as an agent for a player yeah whereas if someone's mom goes in it's like oh you're mommy's boy right so it's it's a very different conversation It's, it's it's almost like you know you're you're hiding behind your mom whereas if it's your dad it's like that's that's cool that's fine yeah and it's different as well so they they would have a conversation that's different to my mom almost patronizing mm. as opposed to they would have with someone's dad who they'd be like take it very seriously and and whatever he's saying they'd take very seriously as well
1: yeah i can totally see yeah. that <laughs> yeah <laughs> big time <laughs> and what was school like for you
0: i didn't even like school to mm. be honest I, I i was good at school i, I enjoyed certain lessons I didn't. I, I'm, I question a lot of things mm-hmm. because that's just how I am as a person. I question everything. I don't question it to challenge it. I question it to learn because I like to learn. Any teacher that's had me throughout school, throughout life. You know, when I say teacher, I mean you know, person who teaches, as opposed to just the mentors. General, yeah, will know that I'm very inquisitive because I like to learn. I want to know properly so that. If I needed to tell someone I could pass them on and teach them in the same way. So I'm passing on information. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna just get information and just be shown, I'll oh, just do this. I wanna know why is it this way? How do you do it that way? Mm-hmm. Are there other ways? Because that's just how I am. Yeah, that's and, amazing. And that's well, probably
1: meant you questioned the system of school, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that tends to be And as you is. can
0: imagine that didn't go down well with teachers very much. So yeah. I clashed a lot with teachers because mm-hmm. they'd tell you they'd say why are you always Causing trouble? Why are you questioning? Why are you, you know? Why are you um, being disruptive? And I said, mm-hmm. it's not. It's, it's not me wanting to be disruptive. I just want to know why. I want to. I want to ask. You now I'm not just asking questions. And I'm looking at the curriculum, thinking, why, why is this like this? Why am I not learning about this as well? Why am I not learning about that? Mm-hmm. Now I want to know these things. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just say, if you just say to me, don't ask, or I'm not going to answer you, that's going to make me more frustrated and want me mm-hmm. to ask more, because I feel like now because You're telling me, don't ask. You're withdrawing even more information from me. It's like you're hiding some information from me. And I'm desperate for information. Yeah. So.
1: (laughs) Do you know what comes up in my head when you say that? Is the lack of information you have about your dad. And Mm. that big unanswered (laughs) thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I'm not saying that you might have been different if you hadn't had that lack of information. But it's interesting how your brain is so inquisitive. Mm. But you also have this thing in your life that you haven't got any answer from mm. but at the same time you're now at a point where you might not want the answer it's just like having to accept but that is quite interesting isn't it mm. sort of disparity between maybe that made you subconsciously or unconsciously more kind of like I want to question stuff I want to know the answers mm. I want you to give me information I don't know do you think I'm psychoanalysing no. a bit too no, much no.
0: I mean I've never thought like in in that respect to be mm. it could be right
1: when you started getting obviously recognised for your football and going into you know professional teams, and I believe you started in Fulham, yeah, yeah, which is so amazing. And at the age of, I'm guessing, like seventeen.
0: Well, I was at I went I signed for Fulham at fourteen.
1: Oh my god, it starts so young.
0: It's, well, I, at that time I was old as well. Really, to sign for an academy, yeah.
1: It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it's
0: <laughs> honestly, I I, my, I was first scouted at thirteen for Chelsea and at that time they were like they don't really sign players who are that age because they sign players at like five six and five. if six? you get to like 10 11 12 they just think well he's not had enough coaching so he's not gonna be able to catch up unless mm. he's like re- very very talented at that age and that he's just been
1: missed right and is, do you think that's what happened with you
0: Uh, not really I just I had to work very hard yeah. And sometimes the time is the time, you know, sometimes the time's right, the time isn't right. Yeah. You know, the guy who scouted me for Chelsea, who actually ended up taking to Fulham afterwards, he was leaving. <laughs> he was, he was leaving. leaving. when He when I was playing, it was a tournament and he was actually leaving. And that's the only reason why he walked past the pitch. And as, as he was walking past, I scored. And, you know, he kind of caught his eye. Then I scored again. And then uh, he stayed and he just thought, okay,
1: and was that something that you'd ever, there are so many questions I want to ask you, <laughs> was that something that you had ever thought of? Had you thought, I because obviously every like boy's dream, I'd say, yeah. even my, both my brothers who are like, <laughs> <laughs> one's 32 and the other one's like 24, 25, and they're still like, oh, the dream is to be a football player. Um, but was that something that had crossed your mind? Did you think that you could, yeah. that that's what you wanted that to do? That was what I wanted to
0: do since I was about six. so
1: when this happened it was like the best thing
0: yeah it was huge yeah I couldn't I couldn't even believe it because I just thought wow this is the first step
1: yeah and do you think that because also you got found later even though Mm. for me it sounds like weirdly young (laughs) but did that push you further to do better and to be more work harder in the sport and in your practices Mm. and stuff like that
0: yeah I mean you have to be so hungry to make it in football anyway yeah mad but i think hungry. <laughs> at, crazy hungry at that age because i kind of i'd seen a lot of friends and a lot of teammates from my sunday teams be scouted and, and gone to play for professional clubs mm. and i just thought you know when is my opportunity going to come and so i was just even more determined to be successful i guess and and People's comments, you know, like the coaches at six, seven years old, or however old I was, and mm. other people's saying different bits and bobs like along the what? way.
1: If you don't mind sharing, it's
0: same. He's he's not gonna make it. You're not good enough. Really? Uh, I I had that a lot. Why? <laughs> People say that. From I who? mean, even teachers. People saying you need a plan B because you're probably not gonna make it
1: as a footballer. Yeah. And that just you just thought I'm gonna prove you wrong.
0: Yeah that was exactly that i said i'm gonna be a football player that's amazing definitely gonna be a professional football player
1: and did your dad or lack of dad and the want to need to succeed do you think he played a role without being there in it
0: because i think that's again it's another person who almost i don't know obviously i don't know the situation and everything but it's like almost another person who didn't want to be there to support me and believe in me mm. that I wanted to prove wrong.
1: Yeah. And when you started being successful and being interviewed all the time and playing <laughs> for the Premier League and living the dream, obviously in mm-hmm. like on this on the outside, because that's what it looks yeah. like, doesn't it? Did you ever think, can my dad see me? Can my dad see I'm, me now? Does I my dad that. know who I am?
0: I mean he, he actually called me what, what, how old was I? Um, I think it was my 19th birthday. 19 or, I'm pretty sure it was 19, 19 or 20. Um, I can't remember what he said, to be honest. Mm. I was on the phone for about less than, less than two minutes. Wow. I was coming in from somewhere. Like either I'd come home from training and I was walking into a home or so where where I was with, living at home with my mum and sister. And, Again, I can remember this very vividly, I walked in through the gate and my phone rings in the front garden. and I see a number that I don't know, pick it up, and we just stood there almost like in shock, and I walked in and said to my mum, no, my dad just called me, and she was in shock, she was like, well, well, and then I was just quite angry as well at that time, Mm. so I just thought, because at that time as well I was doing really well in my career and I was paying for the first team and I was very much on the upward curve and it annoyed me that it was at that time he may have meant well I don't know but the timing didn't reflect well not mm-hmm. for me anyway so and particularly because <laughs> there was always opportunity before that a, a lot of opportunity is a lot of time <laughs> and you know I just thought well t- for me to gain success for then that be the time do you think yeah let let me reach out Mm -hmm. doesn't sit well with me
1: no was there a part of you though that before had been wanting somehow for like your dad to acknowledge you but then the sort of bittersweet feeling when he does and it's because in your mind you've made something of yourself so now Mm. he wants to be involved
0: partly I mean I don't know it's it's really hard to say because yeah. for a long time I didn't I, I genuinely didn't think about it at all yeah because it was just part of my life and I was trying to forge a career in, in football before like obviously just before that I was in school and you know bat- like trying to juggle GCSEs with with trying to get a scholarship in football and just kind of growing up and and I was traveling a lot as well Mm -hmm. and then see, getting my scholarship and then a lot of my energy was just like football, 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 football. Mm. I didn't really have time to think about it because there was just so much going on. Yeah. And so yeah, so like I I never thought, you know, either way, like I want him to come back, I don't want him to come back, I just didn't think about it at all. So when he did call, it just completely took me by surprise because I hadn't thought about it.
1: And what did you feel after that about him?
0: Just, just angry to be honest. So I was just like, this is, you know, it. It just shows what type of person you are. It, again, it might, it might not be. The truth. It might not be, you know, what the actual situation was because I don't know from his perspective. But how it looks and how it felt was very much. You know, he's he's because I'm gaining success now. He wants to have a conversation now. He wants to be a part of my life, and it's just like, that's not how it goes.
1: Yeah see you and with because obviously I know you speak about this a lot but with obviously you resigning at 28 and that to do with how obviously on the outside it looks really golden and dreamy and living the dream but on the inside it was a very different situation so if you want to just tell us a little bit about that
0: yeah it's a crazy football is a crazy industry everybody Mm. Everybody dreams about being a football player. Everybody loves the industry from the outside. Everybody thinks it's the dream job. You know, there, there's many people that will tell you otherwise. Many, many people. Mm-hmm. It's easy to to just look at finances and think, yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, that's a very, very small percentage that people, I think, don't realise how small a percentage of people earn very good money. Mm. Um, a lot I have to just do what they can really to, to make a career and, and to stretch it out and it's hard, it is hard it's it's not easy when I think the best way to put it is it's a highly highly emotive industry but yeah, it's very business like it's very business oriented, it's very factual, it's very, you know, there's a lot of money in it and yet it's very very emotive that you, know, you those two don't mix when you come when you come into business. Mm. You can either focus on the emotion of something and, and you're you're making decisions based on emotion and treating people based on emotion. Or you're treating people based on you know, facts, you know, cold hard figures and and finance, etc. And in the football where the two meet at the very top, you know, because there 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 won't be many more industries in the world that will take you on the the roller coaster of emotions that football does mm. I know that as a fact <laughs> and yet there are people people treat it as if it should be one or the other at specific times not all the time mm-hmm. so there are times when you know it might be one day and someone says well this person should be like this they should they should stick to their morals they should they should do this and they should do that based on What's right and what's you know the the emotions that somebody has attached to that situation, mm-hmm. and on the flip side of that, it could be the next day someone says, "Well, yeah, it's not, it doesn't make business sense," right? And you're making decisions based on that yeah. all the time, yeah. <laughs> which is which is very draining.
1: Yeah, soul destroying. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Especially when you're the person in the middle, mm-hmm. that decision is being made about as well.
1: Yeah. You probably feel just very much like a sort of product object.
0: That's, that's situation. E- exactly what it's like, and and as football grows, it's only going to be more so like that. Yeah, because there's more money that's in it, so there is more of a risk. You're, you're because people are putting more money into it you're more of an asset, and you're more of an investment. You're more of a, a liability. Where maybe you're more of a product, mm-hmm. but because there is more money thrown into it, there's more exposure. So from the emotive side people have a lot more access to you as a person, and to your personality people are more emotionally invested into you and your situation and the situation of wherever you may be. So it's just, just everything is just heightening and and just elevating all the time. Mm -hmm. And for me, I got to 28 and I was just like, I can't do this, I really can't do this anymore because it's it's just eating me up. And for pretty much my whole career, I questioned the system. football and questioned you're questioning yeah (laughs) i questioned why 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 it was like this why it wasn't this way or that way you know and as well in an industry that at the same time of of, of it being very emotive and very cold and business-like at at times it's very old school yeah so it's it's very much run like an old school type of hierarchy Mm -hmm. so you have to have your place it doesn't matter who you are what you've done right you you have your place and you don't fall out of line you don't step out of line you don't question out of line right which is obviously one of the biggest things i had probably because yeah. i i ask questions mm. and at times i challenge people because i think well if i don't believe in something i need to say mm-hmm. but that doesn't really work it doesn't really work in football
1: yeah and am I right in thinking that you also, within it, I don't know if this is from the fans or on the inside, but you received... Is that me? I think so. Shit, sorry about that. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> it's a, another podcast guest, but, Neil. <laughs> but you were bullied and also had quite a lot of racism put at you. Am I right yeah. in saying
0: that? I mean, bullying is, bullying is a part of football.
1: Yeah. And that's what, when you said it's wrong. quite old school, yeah. that's what I thought of. Yeah.
0: I mean, I wouldn't say that I was bullied, even though if I, if I looked back at moments and I put them, I put someone else's face on, on that situation, I'd say, yeah, that's bullying. Definitely. Mm. But yeah, I wouldn't say I was bullied and so many others wouldn't say they were bullied. Yeah. Cause you're within it. <laughs> because it's just like, yeah, this it's is part just, of it. It's, it's the what culture. you got to do. It's a culture It's what you got to do to survive. Yeah. And that is so wrong. It's. Again, that's another thing that just eats people up. Mm. Especially when a lot of bullying that will take place will come from a coach or a manager, and you think you're looking at these people, and they want you to trust them implicitly. They want you. They want you to look at them like a father figure, mm. and trust them like so. And yet, when when it comes down to it, they're going to abuse that power, mm-hmm. and that happens everywhere in football.
1: And did you crave? That before you realized how toxic, actually, that relationship was, did you crave that that father figure that they were trying yeah. to present themselves as?
0: Yeah, I wanted to be accepted, really, and, and to, to make make them proud.
1: Like you would a dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with the work that you do now... hmm because um, there are three things I want to ask you, and then we'll have to wrap. But I could talk forever. You obviously have this like need and desire to help people. And
0: <laughs> Sometimes to my detriment.
1: Where do you think that comes from?
0: I don't know. I I've been like that since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. One of the things that has always stood out to me is I don't like bullies. So I'd always, if I saw, or heard, or felt like someone was being bullied or bullying someone I that's you know I I take that one as a personal problem (laughs) yeah because I just didn't like it yeah it was it was the same in football as I say to my detriment at times right um I don't know where that's come from
1: yeah I've just it's part of who who you are yeah and with the um it's amazing it's a very good quality (laughs) I admire it. (laughs) With you speaking out, because I read your tweet, which I will have read in the introduction, um, when you opened up about you resigning and why that was. And I can imagine within football, a bit like coming out as gay within football is still not something people do. And talking about mental health is probably still not something people do. And I wanted to ask, firstly, what that felt like. And secondly, where you found that strength and that bravery to do that, strength and bravery, not no, but that's what it is, because it's in an industry which is so old it's school and
0: very f- male. It's mm. very it has a lot of to- toxic masculinity, and to be honest, I got to a point. It wasn't it wasn't even our bravery or anything like that. I just didn't give a fuck anymore. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. I don't know if you can swear on your podcast, but no, you yeah <laughs>
1: Oh, you can. <laughs> um,
0: I just think, uh, yeah, I just didn't care um, because I'd got to a point where I would thought, yeah, um, my the, the highs of my career are behind me. I'm good enough to play where I'm at, good enough to play higher, but I don't care if I do or not anymore. To be honest, people are gonna accept me for me. They're gonna do it. if they're not. I don't. Give, I don't care. I don't give a shit. So I can have this conversation. People say, yeah, you know. We, we admire you for having this conversation. So, Well, it's very easy for me to do so in this position now where A, I'm outside of football, I'm retired. B, when I was in football, I didn't care really how people perceived me at that time. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I did that at the height of my career, it wouldn't have been the same. I wouldn't have been able to do that firstly. Secondly, the reaction would have been very, very different. Mm-hmm. i say, how would you react if that was someone like Paul Pogba? Or someone at the top of the game. Differently, probably. So,
1: he how got can you,
0: so, how can you tell me that we're making progress in football with mental health when you're going to treat someone completely differently based on circumstances, even if they have the exact same issue I did? Yeah. That's the problem. So, it's fine. It's all well and good, me talking about it. But I'm not the person that needs to be talking about it. Yeah. I'm the one who's... T- the what I'm saying is saying let them talk about it let the people still active and still at the top let them talk about it yeah and have the freedom to do so because I have the freedom to do so because I have nothing to fear there are no repercussions for me anymore
1: and what would that have been
0: at what if I was at the top or at the time when I actually did
1: when you if you were at the top
0: you you wouldn't get people wanting to sign you you would get people questioning whether you're fit to play i i mean i had that even when i had that conversation and i spoke about it for the first time which was like three years ago or something and you'll get people pretty much just saying how could you be depressed if you're you're living everyone's dream how could you be depressed Mm. and it's always it's always the same thing you know people who are depressed in the public eye people who reach the top and they say when they, they start walking back down and say, you don't want to go up there, trust me. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, that's the top, why would, I not, why would I not want to go there? You're just being ungrateful, you're just being ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yet so many people who have reached that pinnacle in their careers, football, whatever it may be, different industries, a lot of people who have reached that pinnacle and turn back and say, this isn't what it's cracked up to be. I, don't, I wish I didn't embark on this journey. Or, I'm glad I did, but I don't want to go back to the top. Because yeah. I don't like it. It's not. It's It's not nice here. It's not fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So true. You hear that all the time. All the time. But also people just people ignore it. Making lots of money. Yeah. People ignore it because, of course, it's like it's always glamorized.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't wish fame upon my worst enemy. Mm. I had the tiniest, tiniest glimpse of it, and I hated it. Mm. Like it was. Like I'm. I'm glad I never managed to be as successful as I wanted to be in football because. I, I, I wouldn't have lasted because i I hated being recognized by people i hated not having privacy i hated not being able to do normal things or speak freely yeah. that's i'm a human being i should be able to do so and i said to someone imagine imagine being david beckham i could i generally i probably couldn't think of anything worse he can't do anything he can't walk into the shop he can't be like oh i want to go for a walk mm. just i want to pop to the shops get a get a biscuit or ice cream (laughs) or whatever it is gone yeah you think people say well he can just go on a private jet and fly somewhere else he's like well do you not think that sometimes he wants to interact with people or he wants to do normal things he wants without people making it into something
1: he wants to be anonymous
0: everybody wants to be able to be in and out and and just kind of do what they're doing without having to yeah have to put on something else i imagine you you had a you know horrible week or a month or whatever you've had an argument with with family or friends or a spouse or whatever and you're you're annoyed and you you go for a walk and there are people taking pictures of you mm-hmm. <laughs> i couldn't even fathom how how that would make me feel yeah and yet people look at somebody like that and say well they've got a the perfect life there is no such thing as perfect no literally it's just imperfection is perfection essentially mm. so whatever you think is perfect is probably not
1: mm-hmm. and it is this sort of classic the grass is greener or looking from the outside mm. and no one knows what goes on behind closed doors or exactly. within someone and it is so funny that you say we that people ignore it even though there are so many people who've said it <laughs> yeah. fame success money doesn't mean happiness <laughs> yet it's like the weirdest brainwashed system yeah. whereby people still don't listen. And, you know, it's that it's it's all it's almost like you have to learn from your own experience yeah. because it is so it's just so glamorized. And I think when people think something is glamorous, they think that means it's good. Yeah. And but then
0: you think if we if everybody is about learning from our own experiences, the human race would never move forward. Yeah. Because what would be the point of education of books? Of anything because if we're only gonna ever learn from our own experiences, then we're never gonna to listen to someone to, to learn to do something else.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: so you think why why, why. would you not?
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um I have two more questions. So first question mm-hmm. You are now a dad. Yeah. Two two kids. Two kids. So how old are they? Three and one. Oh my god, okay, adorable, perfect, cute, squidgy age. And what's it like? For you having not had your father, and what's it like for you then becoming a father?
0: That's a serious question. <laughs> I mean, when my daughter was born, it was like I I was so confused. Like I was really, really confused. I think I suffered from postnatal depression, mm-hmm. um, and I was just like. like super, super confused because I just thought how I, I thought of my emotions at that time and how my dad couldn't or wasn't there for me looking at I was looking at my daughter thinking how could he not be here for A, for my daughter or B, how could he have not been there for me at that time that's just like I couldn't even I couldn't even imagine just, just walking away from my kids now. Like it's, Even if my wife and I weren't together, you know, th- there's no way that I wouldn't have my kids in my life. It's, Im- it's impossible to think. Mm. And yet, he's decided to not have me in his life. And at that time, especially, because I just thought, wow, this is so magical. And I just thought, I just couldn't get my head around it. And that was really tough, and it was the same. It was the same again. Actually, when my my son was born, I mean, it, it's probably also the lack of sleep and mm. and just the stress of having a newborn. But yeah, it was it was so confusing.
1: And how does it feel now?
0: It's not as confusing. Um, it is. <laughs> it is still not as much so mm. because. You know, as I said, whatever circumstances drove him to make the decisions he did, mm-hmm. you know, he's his own person. You know, I, I, I'm not inside his mind. I wasn't inside his mind at that point in time. So whatever decisions he made, he made from, for his own reasons. But I, I don't get why you, or understand how you could leave your children and not be a part of your children's life.
1: And do you think that having children has kind of maybe revealed that that wound for you or exposed it
0: yeah (laughs) probably a a lot more than i thought and yeah as i said it's really confusing it is tough it it has been tough it's not as tough but it has been tough but at the same time I, i i'm very i try to be very conscious of the fact that i don't want to pass on my pain to my children because that's that's not fair on them. You know, mm-hmm. I need to be very present in the moment for them and for you know for them growing up, and not have to not be too much thinking about you know over there. Mm-hmm. But also, I have to, I'm conscious of the fact that as they get older, they're gonna ask these questions, and I'm kind of at a point now where I'm like, well, I don't know how I'm gonna answer them. I have no idea. Because they see their glams, who's my mum. Glams, love <laughs> yeah. that, love that. And they see um, their nonna and grumps. Mm, grumps. <laughs> and obviously they'll see a granddad on on, on my side. Mm. And at mm. the moment, it's, obviously my daughter's three, so she doesn't really, she's not thought about it. She doesn't, she doesn't really think that, obviously a lot of these things don't cross her mind. But at some point it will. At mm. some point she'll say, well, no, Daddy, where's your dad? And I, I have no idea. Now I'm gonna answer that question. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. But I have no idea. You know, and they might want to have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I can't. I can't decide for them what's best in in that sense. In terms of who, if they want to have a relationship with their grandfather at some point in their life, I can't just say no. You can't. That's not fair to them. Mm-hmm. You know even you know my relationship with him is very different to what maybe their relationship because they don't know anything about him they don't know he exists so they have no feeling towards him so they might have a they might end up having an amazing relationship I don't know and it's not it wouldn't be fair for me to deny him that or deny my kids that based on my experiences so <sighs> I've got a, a very interesting few years ahead I'm sure. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and if your dad was listening to this episode right now, what would you want to say to him?
0: I don't know. To be honest, I have no idea. There's probably a lot of things off the top of my head. I have no idea because he's literally not been in my life for twenty three years. am you know, I'm, I'm turning thirty, and he left when I was well six. You no, know, my life. I've not known him. I do not know him. Now, if I saw him in the street, I mean, I know he he looks like because apparently I look I'm the spitting image of him. <laughs> but other than that, you no, know, I'd, I'd walk past him and as if he was anybody else because I don't know him. I don't know anything about him. I have no feeling towards him. The feeling that I had of maybe resentment when I was younger, I don't have. I have. I literally have no feeling of where this anger, happy, sad, nothing. Because to me, this person is just a sh- complete stranger. So I have no idea, I wouldn't know what to say. What would you say to a stranger right now that's listening, you, you don't know.
1: I know, it's a weird one. I asked that question to everyone mm. at the end of the episode. And it's really funny that my experience is very different. My dad died when I was seven, but I still feel like I don't know him. Even though I, it's, you know, I'd had seven years and whatever but i um it's it's a it's a big question to try and answer and i ask it when in a way i've never even thought about it myself so it's quite mm. unfair that i ask this like big question but it's right well because there are so many things you'd want to say i think but then it's like where to start yeah <laughs>
0: yeah
1: yeah it's weird do you think he'd say hi
0: Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I would even I wouldn't even start in in engaging the conversation to be honest.
1: Yeah. Just walk past. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, thank you so much, Marvin. This it's has okay. been amazing. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, for having me. So after Marvin and I stopped recording the episode, we uh, carried on speaking. Obviously. Off record, and Marvin mentioned to me that he'd gotten into writing poetry, which, of course, I was so sad that we didn't get to speak about that on the actual episode and delve in a bit deeper, as well as, of course, all the other millions of other billions of parts of layers of Marvin's story that we didn't get to touch on. Marvin and I actually have since met up for a coffee and we both mentioned how within less than an hour or sometimes even an hour and a quarter you only ever just scratch the very 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 surface of someone's story there's always a feeling of uh, for me at least that there's so much more to talk about and I know with Marvin it was very much the case there's so much that we haven't spoken about however as he said he gets asked to do so many podcasts so do look him up and listen to other parts of his story that we didn't get to touch on today. So because we didn't get to speak about Marvin's poetry, I asked if there was any way he'd be happy to send through something that I could put onto the end of the episode. And he actually said, amazingly, he'd started, but hadn't finished quite yet, a poem about being a father to his son, and some of the emotions that that had brought up for him about his own father. And... So I asked him if he'd be happy to finish it and then send over a recording to put on to the end of the episode. And I can't believe how lucky you all are and I am that he has. And it's the most beautiful poem and it's read by Marvin Sordell and I'm so excited for you to hear it.
0: This poem is called Hand Me Down. I'm terrified of picking up your shoes and putting them on. For 20 years they've sat there ignored. For three years I've looked at them every day. I'm terrified of picking up your shoes and putting them on. But it's my turn to wear them. It's my time to walk that walk. For 20 years i chased everything in mine. For three years I've seen even more holes grow in yours. I'm terrified of picking up your shoes and putting them on. But I have to. I have to fix them. Because when I look down I look at the feet that will step into my shoes and I ask myself, when they do, will they too have daddy issues?
1: affected at all by anything that's come up in the episode, I advise two places where you can visit. The first is Julia Samuel's website, www.juliasamuel.co.uk. The other place is www.untangle.life, which is for people experiencing grief. I'd love to thank Warren Borg at Wargy Productions for doing all the mastering and compressing and Julietta for providing Daddy Issues podcast season 2 music, which I am obsessed with. Lastly, I'd love to thank all of you for listening and also staying on this long to listen to the rest of the outro as without you, of course, there would be no podcast. So thank you so much and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day or night.